thanks for coming back to the Troncast with me, Tron Jordheim. Thanks for being here. I have a lot of fun doing these. I get to talk to interesting people from all over the world, get to make some new friends. I get to sit down and have some longer talks with people I've known for a while who I probably don't know as much about as I'd like to because so many people are doing so many interesting things. It is fun to talk to them about all those things they're doing. So thanks for tuning into the Troncast and uh, we'll have an episode coming up for you in just a few minutes. There are a few commercial messages because you know, gotta get paid. So stay tuned. Thanks for being here. things I'm good at is building sales systems that integrate well with marketing. I think I've always done that sort of thing from the very first time I sold seed packets when I was in kindergarten trying to raise money for, I don't know what we were raising money for, books I imagine. So I've been doing that for a long time. And there's a couple things that get tricky about building sales systems. If you're building one from scratch, you have to know that many of the things you put in place are not going to work in the long term and you're going to have to change things as you learn things. If you're trying to rebuild a system that's already in place, uh, the trick is to not break all the things that are going well, all the things that are good about the current system you're trying to change or fix or upgrade or put some add-ons onto, it's very easy to break systems. And there are a lot of really dumb adages out there that I wish we would forget. Like the next time someone says to me, well, if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. I'd like to break an egg on their head. What does building sales systems or fine-tuning or retooling sales systems have to do with making omelets? Unless you sell omelets or omelet pans or something like that, it has nothing to do with that. So if you're in a business where you are selling enough and doing enough business where you feel like you need a sales system or you plainly see you need a sales system because things are hectic and chaotic and disorganized and hard to track and hard to push forward, then you've gotten to a certain level of success and you're already doing some things right. And so one of the tricks of retooling a sales system is to not break all the stuff that works already and to be able to bring in tools and systems that work specifically for that industry, for that kind of selling. Every industry, every service offering has a little bit of a different flavor to how it's sold, how people perceive it, how people see the value of it, what they're willing to pay for it, all that sort of thing. So selling landscaping service is completely different than selling medical imaging or pick any other two things. They're very different. So the tools you use for one may not be the same tools you use for the other. 
Now, many industries already have a suite of tools built around them because the way we ended up with a lot of these cool tech tools and CRM tools and systems management tools and things like that is because someone was in an industry and saw the possibilities coming from the digital age and created something very specific for their industry. A lot of those industry-specific tools are really good because they've built in all the nuances and all of the weird little challenges and opportunities that come with a specific kind of market. Uh, but some of them are also kind of half-built. Uh, sometimes they're not as robust as you'd like them to be. Uh, they may have some holes in them. So you have to kind of weigh that out too. So being able to use systems that are specific to an industry uh, is important when that works. So you can't just say, hey, I'm a fan of uh, this suite of tools here, you know, XYZ plus ABC equals a great selling system. Maybe in general, maybe generically, but when you start putting together systems for a specific type of selling or a specific industry, you need to look outside that and find things that work well. One of the other things that uh, you have to watch out for is many times people look at creating a new sales system to create simplicity. Well, it takes a lot of complication to get to simplicity. And sometimes it takes more tools than you'd like to get to simplicity. So, you know, a carpenter doesn't just have a hammer and a saw there are a lot of kind of hammers for different applications depending on what you're hammering and what you're driving and there's many many different kinds of saws depending on what you're sawing how you're sawing it how you want it to turn out so when you go into a woodworking shop you see all kinds of tools all over the place and uh, you could make the same analogy to building sales systems and tying them together with marketing systems you may think well all I need is just a CRM and I can you know manage everything I need but that's probably not just what you need it may simplify lots of things you're doing now in a CRM fashion but you're gonna need other things too what are you doing for your phone system or your phone routing or for texting in and out or for invoicing and collecting and tracking and analyzing and forecasting. There's a lot of stuff to consider when you start building a good system or rebuilding a good system into a robust system. There's a lot to look at. There is no sense going through all this trouble just to have a half-baked system that's better than the old system when you could go through a little more trouble and have a really robust system that gives you transparency for business intelligence that allows you to take advantage of all the ways you could sell and all the ways people like to buy. So it's not always just as easy as coming in and saying, oh, my favorite tool is uh, xyz.io and we're gonna do that on everything. It's not always that easy. And as you're starting to build this out, you have to take your time and let each one of those tools kind of settle in, let the users 
get used to using them because if you come in right away and throw five tools at somebody, first of all, the tools may not work together the way you hope they will because until you actually road test and live test and do proof of concept on things, you don't know. Sometimes half the stuff you think will work well doesn't work well and many times you discover all kinds of new capabilities as you road test things and your direction may change several times as you're building out your new system. So take it a tool at a time. How do you decide which tool to start with? Well, what's the most broken piece of the current system? Where's there the most obvious gain in effectiveness, efficiency, uh, transparency, whatever it is you're trying to gain, where's the most obvious gain? So if you look at those two things and say, what's the easiest to implement? Where's the most obvious quick win? Uh, where's our big pain point right now? And you triangulate between those three things, you can pretty easily decide which part of the system you want to address first. And then after addressing that, you can say, okay, now what's next? We've got this system working pretty good. Everybody's about 80, 90% comfortable with it. We've got it about 90% of where it needs to be. Um, you're still gonna diddle with stuff even if, you're, even if you feel like you're well implemented because some tools are less stable than others. Your internet may be less stable than others. Uh, your development team may have a, a different approach to how they uh, manage the tools because certainly you need to have somebody who knows how to do web development and tool development and database work and all that sort of thing because even the plug-and-play tools will need some tweaking and need some help and even if APIs are really straightforward and easy to use there's always something that somebody needs some expertise to make happen so you've got to have those people available to you whether they're on staff or on contract or, or whatever. But, okay, so you've got tool number one, about 80%, 90% done. The team's about 80%, 90% comfortable with it. You're seeing some good results. Okay, so now walk around, listen, ask people. Okay, now we got this piece done. What's the next piece that would be the most helpful to you? Or what's the next pain we need to get out of the way? Or what's the natural lead up from here to the next tool that we need? Or now that we've got this piece going well, what about the old system now really looks apparently lousy or maybe even apparently good? So you can continue tweaking and then pick your next tool and work on it. So these sales transformation and marketing transformation projects, uh, they are not short-term projects. They take a while. I mean, if you're thinking you can get something done in less than a year and a half, and you've got a, even a small team, uh, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. It takes time. It takes time. So when you're thinking about uh, transmitting from one universe to the other from an old inefficient not particularly lovely method of doing your sales and marketing and you're moving into the digital age and the connected age and the information age plus plus times whatever you want to call it it's a big transition 
So take time to plan it, take time to leave enough time, and then start looking for where your pain points are and how you're going to address those, and then think about what's the next piece that could come after that and get ready. I've seen it happen so many times that a, a reboot, a rehashing, a refreshing of a sales system has boosted conversion rates 10, 20%. I mean, that's real money. So that's the other thing, of course, you have to look at is the time and expense involved in doing this. Uh, you're going to have maybe more commas involved and more zeros involved in this than you'd like. But the payback, if you can increase conversion rates 10 or 20 percent or increase the productivity of your employees by 10 or 20 percent, my gosh, that's real money, real money. Anyway, you can tell I have fun talking about this stuff. I could go on and on and on because I've, I've been involved in uh, redoing sales and marketing systems more than a few times, and it is super rewarding to watch it come together, to watch the team buy in and start really making those new tools work. And then, of course, it's really nice to see the smile on the faces of the big bosses when they can see what's happening and the uh, return on investment is happening and the business is growing um, it's all good so thanks for tuning in to the Troncast and letting me fuss at you about uh, one of my favorite topics redoing sales and marketing systems so if you have any comments go find the leave a message button and uh, send me a message and don't be shy about supporting the Troncast uh, you can Send me 99 cents a month or 99,000 a month. Uh, whatever you think it's worth to you to keep me motivated because uh, everybody wants to be motivated. Thanks for listening. Take care. See ya. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to go ahead and take a break for a commercial message here. And hopefully you don't mind listening to that and help me pay the bills. And then after that, we'll come back and walk a little more and have a little more quiet. So I hope a little bit of quiet is doing you good. Thanks for listening. What do you do for sales training when sales training is so frustrating and seems so counterproductive sometimes, right? Because the people getting trained are sometimes resistant or sometimes they've been through so many training courses where they just tune out everything you say and you sound like the teacher in Charlie Brown. Sometimes the people doing the training are so frustrated because they come up with some really good material and go out in the field and prove some really good phraseology and techniques and approaches. And then when they try to train it, sometimes it doesn't work in reality the way it, it worked for them or it doesn't work for the particular people doing it or the folks who get the training just don't feel like putting in the time to perfect it. It's really frustrating for the trainers. 
It's also really frustrating for the higher-ups, for the big bosses, because they invest in training and they invest in training materials. And sometimes the numbers don't move, and so they wonder, well, why are we doing this? What's the point? So I've come up with a couple different approaches for sales training that maybe are helpful. One idea is to make it a self-driven process where the salesperson is on their own sales journey, their quest for sales proficiency, their quest to be their own sales hero. So if you want to check that out, go to SolvingSales.com. That's all about my self-driven sales journeys program. And you can subscribe to that for, I think right now it's $5 a month. I'm making it super easy so people can get in there and start creating their own journey to sales mastery. SolvingSales.com. SolvingSales.com. Thank you. Hello, thanks for joining the Troncast with Tron Jordheim for another episode. Today I'm going to do something a little special for you. I'm going to give you some quiet. So in celebration of spring and uh, in order to enjoy a beautiful mid-April day, I'm going to go take a walk by the creek, one of the many creeks not too far from where I live. And uh, I'm just going to try to be quiet and let you enjoy the sounds of a quiet walk by the creek. I will have to take a break for a commercial message. You know how that goes. Can't be completely quiet experience. But one of the things I love about being quiet in the woods or going down by a creek to be quiet is just to hear all the little sounds that happen, the leaves blowing around, the bugs, certainly the birds, and if you pay attention you'll hear I surprise a jay, I uh, stand next to a cardinal for a while, uh, you can hear a woodpecker off in the distance a time or two. So where I'm taking a stroll it's a little footpath right along the creek and I'm probably 50 to 100 yards from a bike path, walking path, that gets a little bit of traffic. It's probably 70 degrees and sunny today. It's just a gorgeous early spring day. And uh, I invite you to come along for a quiet walk along the creek. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. So for the next uh, 20 minutes or so, just sit back and listen and enjoy the sounds of a quiet walk by the creek. <laughs> 